الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى والصلاة والسلام على عباده الذين اصطفى أما بعد فأعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم إنا بلوناهم كما بلونا أصحاب الجنة إذ أقسمون يصرمونها مصبحين ولا يستثنون وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم إنما الأعمال بالنيات أو كقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم Most respected ulama kiram, brothers and elders <coughs> There are many things that we refer to as very very powerful very effective Sometimes somebody has given us some wazifa to read, somebody has given us some amal. So we may be told that this is very effective, very powerful, and by all means, the names of Allah wa ta'ala, the ayat of the Quran Sharif, these have a tremendous effect. And its effect can never be denied. Just on that note, one incident, at the time of Ibn Asina, the king of the time got very ill. So Ibn Asina was his personal physician, and he is trying to administer various different treatments, and nothing seems to be really having any visible effect. So when time passed, and the ailment kept on increasing. So eventually now, they call the great buzrug of the time, Sheikh Abul Hassan Kharqani, rahmatullahi You also come. So he came, so he recited something, and he blew on the king. And Sina was standing there. So he felt slighted, insulted in a way, that as a physician of my caliber, and somebody else is being called, so he passed a comment and he says that what your reading is going to do and what your blowing is going to do. I know what the problem is. It's just a matter of time before the medication takes effect. So now, this was a very, very wrong thing to say because the person was reciting the words of Allah wa ta'ala. So some people understand in a different way only. So Ibn Sina when he made this comment, Shaykh Abul Hassan Kharqani, he looked at him and he told him that I thought you were a very intelligent person, but now I realize today that you are a, you are a donkey. So, when he said these words, barely he said these words, and the Sina's eyes started turning red, he started perspiring, his veins started swelling. So Sheikh Abul Hassan Kharqani looked at him and asked him that what is the problem? I only merely just said one word. I merely called you a donkey. I didn't do anything. I didn't hit you. I didn't do anything else to you. But look at all the changes that are taking place to you. Your eyes have become blood red. Your veins are swelling. You are perspiring. If this is the effect of my one word, and I didn't even blow on you still, my word can have this effect on you. Why won't the words of Allah Ta'ala have effect? So certainly the words of Allah Ta'ala have tremendous effect. But together with that, there is something very, very powerful, very, very effective, which we seldom take benefit from. And that is the aspect of intention. That intention is an extremely powerful thing. But we take it casually, we take it lightly, we move along. And we fail to take the benefits of a good intention. And at the same time, we little realize sometimes that how dramatic the ill effects of a bad intention can be. This world is a place of test. Allah Ta'ala has made it a place of test. And everything is not as clear as daylight or as clear as a person presses a switch and the light comes on, 
So you can see that there is some link behind these two things. That the switch is here on the wall and the light is on the ceiling, but there's something connecting the both behind. It's not as visible as that. But Allah wa ta'ala has kept a link in all the unseen things as well. And there's a very great system behind all the things that happen in our life. So many a times we don't realize what is the effect of an, a bad intention, what kind of ill effects it has brought. And at the same time, we lose out on the benefits of a good intention. We have all heard the hadith of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam repeatedly, and this is the hadith where Imam Bukhari brings the very, very first hadith of his kitab, Innamal a'malu bin niyat, that intent, the actions are judged according to the intention. So this much we have understood very well, that if a person has the correct intention, he is doing something sincerely for Allah Ta'ala, then it will be acceptable. If he is doing it for some other motivation, other reason, he is doing some good deed, but the objective is to acquire the praise of people, then all this will be wasted and become a burden for him on the day of Qiyamah. So that is the basic meaning of this hadith sharif but it is beyond that as well that innamal a'malu binniyat that the effect of that amal is as a result of the intention how sincere and how pure that intention will be that will become the barakat in that amal and that is what the fruit of that amal will bring intention is the seed and if the seed is very healthy, then you can expect a healthy tree to grow from it. And when there's a healthy seed, then the healthy tree will bring healthy fruit, good fruit. And if it is a very, very good seed, it might bring that kind of fruit that becomes export quality also. And it will bring A-grade fruit. And people throughout the world will benefit from that fruit. Like we see the results of the efforts of the Ahlullah, the true servants of Allah wa ta'ala, the ulama kiram who have served selflessly and sincerely, then Allah wa ta'ala made their words and their benefits spread throughout the world, though they didn't see three quarters of the world, or maybe more than that too. But people throughout the world benefited from that seed, the benefit of that ikhlas, the benefit of that sincerity, that that fruit became export quality. So intention is an extremely effective thing. One on a very simple level, person left home, he came to the masjid. When he comes to the masjid, what is our intention? So somebody might ask, what is the intention? I'm going to the masjid, what intention? But there are so many intentions that can be made and every intention a person will be rewarded independently. He's coming to the masjid, his intention is to come and perform salah. His intention is that he will meet his Muslim brothers, he will make salam to them. He will make a niyat of a'tikaf and make a'tikaf in the masjid for the duration is in the masjid. If there is some dini program taking place, he will participate in it. He will recite some Quran Sharif. He will make some zikr. He, make, he makes each intention independently. How long does it take to make the intention? In a matter of five seconds, he made ten intentions. But on each of those aspects, he gets rewarded. Now, a person is casual, just carries on, forgets about it. He lost out. He came, he went, he made salam. And sometimes he didn't get to make salam to anybody. But that intention would have still earned him a reward. So intention. Then to take it further, how effective is an intention? In terms of a good intention... Allah wa ta'ala gives us the directive in the Quran Sharif that وَإِنْ خِفْتُمْ شِقَاقَ بَيْنِهِمَا فَبْعَثُوا حَكَمًا مِّنْ أَهْلِهِ وَحَكَمًا مِّنْ أَهْلِهَا Supposing there is a discord between spouses. So now this is something that happens sometimes. So if there is a discord now, how to go about resolving it? One is that it will be attempted to be resolved between the parties themselves, then they might take it to a little bit further within the family. But if it's still not getting resolved, then hakamam min ahlihi wa hakamam min ahliha. Quran Sharif is saying, 
then send a mediator from the husband's side and the mediator from the wife's side. Now what are these mediators supposed to do? The first thing they are supposed to do is correct their intention. Before anything else. Because Allah Ta'ala says, that if these mediators, yurida, arada, yuridu, irada, the word irada is used in Urdu also, if their intention is to bring about reconciliation, if it is their intention, the Quran Sharif, no other detail is spoken about, that they must be somebody who can really strategize and plan, and must be somebody that can really have very contacts in very high places, they must be able to pull the strings, and they must be able to do various other things. No, only one thing the Quran Sharif mentions. It doesn't mean that a person who doesn't have the ability to mediate, you send him. That is there in its place. But the Quran Sharif highlights the most important aspect. That if the mediators have the intention of creating reconciliation, Allah Ta'ala will put barakat in that as a result of that mutual intention. Allah Ta'ala will bring about reconciliation. This is the effect of an intention. Outwardly it seems, what is the intention? But this is how deep it is. Allah Ta'ala is highlighting that. And a discord is a major thing, not a small thing. And this is something so detested in deen, that if you look in the ahadith, to what extent Nabi Islam has emphasized avoiding discord, maintaining unity, maintaining peace, that it is astounding and amazing that what rewards have been promised for maintaining unity and what warnings have been given for creating discord. And here, the time doesn't permit to go into all those details now, here the aspect of creating that unity is being hinged on intention. This is how effective that intention is. In the Hadith Sharif it is mentioned that a person has taken a loan. He has borrowed money. He has borrowed money out of need. To start off with, this is something not for the sake of luxuries that a person takes debts. Debts is something discouraged. In the Hadith Sharif, the du'as that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi made, one of the du'as that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi made, which was ta'aleem for the ummah, which was a lesson for us. Allahumma inni a'udhu bika minal kufri waddain. Ya Allah, I seek your protection from kufr and from debt. So somebody asked Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, that are you equating the two? Because when something is mentioned side by side, it shows how severe this is. It doesn't mean debt is something equivalent to kufr. But it is being still mentioned side by side. It's highlighting something. Nabi Islam said, yes, I'm saying it side by side. Because sometimes debt leads a person to kufr also. Sometimes in order to get rid of a debt, a person sells his iman, Allah Ta'ala save us. So debts are not for the sake of luxuries. These debts are established, taking a loan is established in the Hadith Sharif. But not for the sake of a person flying around and having a royal time, and then sometimes he's still not even fulfilling his dues. Debts is a person out of desperation needs to sort himself out, so he'll borrow if he can. But provided he has the very strong uh, conviction that he will be able to repay the debt. Now Nabi Islam says, a person who has borrowed, so obviously to start off with, in terms of the Islamic mindset, he will not be borrowing just for the sake of wealth creation. He'll be borrowing for the sake of need. Unfortunately, this, the, that is, this is a capitalist system. That everything runs on borrowing for the sake of wealth creation. That's a totally separate thing. That's a capitalist system. Which we somehow try to borrow it and try to panel beat it and fit it into our system. But it's got nothing to do with the Islamic way of life. In deen, person will borrow when he has a need for it. Not for the sake of luxuries, not for the sake of wealth creation. But now that he has borrowed out of need, Nabi Islam says the person who has borrowed and his sincere intention is to pay it back. 
according to whatever his arrangement is. Allah Ta'ala's divine help and unseen help will come to him. And he will pay it in time. Now this help came on him as a result of his sincere intention. In the Hadith Sharif, Nabi Sallallahu says, The person who has a genuine intention, a resolve from within, I want to remain pure and chaste. That is his resolve. Now this is in various different levels. Pure and chaste can, is quite comprehensive. I want to remain pure and chaste, meaning even from asking and begging from anybody anything. I don't want to raise, spread my hand out in front of anybody. Allah Ta'ala will create the means for him that he never has to do that. He wants to remain pure and chaste from any haram. He's got that sincere intention and resolve from within. It's not just a fleeting thought. Like some person heard, that if you make the niyat of the hajjud and you sleep, that even if you didn't manage to wake up, then you'll still get the sawab of the hajjud. So at night, he sat down and he said, I got the niyat of the hajjud. I'm intending to make the hajjud. Then he set the alarm for fajr and he slept away. So what niyat is that? That he's saying, I got the niyat of waking for the hajjud, but he's setting the alarm for fajr. And Allah forbid if he set the alarm for sunrise, then that's even worse. So that is not niyat, that is just something on the tongue. But the resolve is there in the heart. There's a sincere intention. I want to wake up for tahajjud. And he makes the means of waking up accordingly. But something happened. His eyes didn't open. That alarm didn't ring. Or he didn't hear it. And he slept past tahajjud. He woke up fajr time. Inshallah, he'll still get the sawab, the reward. Because that intention was genuine. So this is the positive intention. Then comes the negative intention. That how detrimental can this be? In the Quran Sharif, Allah wa ta'ala narrates an entire incident about this. In Surah Al-Qalam, Allah ta'ala speaks about the people of the garden. In Yemen, in San'a, outside, on the outskirts of San'a, there was a very, very lush garden, which was owned by a very pious person. And his manner of dealing with the crops, etc. was this, the fruits, that the, whatever tool, whatever thing he used to use to break the fruit of the tree. So whatever comes within that reach, that he will take. Anything that got left beyond that is too high. It cannot be reached with the, whatever instrument that he's using to break the fruit, he would leave that. Then whatever fell, he would place a, some kind of mat or cloth or anything under the tree. So as he's running that, for example, like a rake or something. So as the fruits are dropping, whatever remained on the mat, that he will wrap up and take away. Anything rolled off the mat, that he will leave behind. After he's wrapped up and taken away, whatever is left now on the top of the trees, whatever rolled off the mat, and a good amount would get left in this way all this would now be free for all the poor people to come and take as much as they want. So he would not take any pains to take anything beyond what the reach of that instrument is. And then anything rolled away, that too he wouldn't make any effort to put it back on. It's gone. This is Allah Ta'ala's, has decreed this for somebody else. It's their, their risk, their rosy. Where does it belong to him? So he carried on like this. Allah Ta'ala blessed him with tremendous barakat. As time passed, eventually he passed away. When he passed away, now his three sons inherited all this. So, now the next season came to harvest the crops. Just as he had this manner of dealing with the fruits, likewise the crops on the ground, whatever was cut easily, he would cut that and take it. The rest he would leave it for the poor to come and take. So now one day these people, these three brothers sat down, they said, how can we carry on like this? Previously, it was our father and three of us. So there were few people and the crops were abundant. It was fine. A lot we took and a lot we left behind. Life carried on, no problem. Now three of us, all of us got our families. So the numbers have grown. And the crops are not as much as before. So now we can't carry on like this. So they changed their intention. And they said, look... Now we have to do something. Now tomorrow is going to be the harvest. 
So how are we going to now prevent any fruit and any crop going in the hands of the poor? We have to save it all for ourselves. Because we need it. So they started planning and plotting. So Allah Ta'ala speaks about this in the Quran Sharif. Inna balawnahum kama balawna ashab al-jannah. إِذْ أَقْسَمُوا لَيَصْرِمُنَّهَا مُصْبِحِينَ They sat down and then they took qasams. We will wake up early in the morning. Long before people start waking up, we will wake up. So now when we will reach the farm, we will go and cut all the crops and all the fruit, everything, and we will take it and come away before anybody even knows what happened. Later in the day, they know that it's a harvest day. They will reach there when everything is gone, there's nothing for them. So we would have saved everything for ourselves. It's aqsamu la yasrimunnaha musbihin. We'll go early in the morning and cut it. And they were so confident about it. Wala yastathnoon. They didn't even say, inshallah we'll do it. Whereas in the Quran Sharif, Allah Ta'ala says, that wala taqoolanna li shay'in inni fa'ilun zalika ghadan illa ayyasha Allah. On one occasion, the Yahud came and they asked some questions. So, one of the questions they asked was about the people of Kahf, Ashabul Kahf. So, Nabi Sallallahu said, I will tell you tomorrow. And he expected that Jibreel Sallallahu will come with the answer and he will tell them tomorrow. But at that time, Nabi Sallallahu it slipped his mind to say, Inshallah. So, for 15 days, the wahi was withheld. Now, the next day, these people came, there was no answer. The third day they came, there was no answer. Now they began mocking and jeering. And this was a very difficult time for Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And eventually after 15 days, the surah was revealed. And in the surah, this ayat was also revealed. وَلَا تَقُولَنَّ لِشَيْءٍ إِنِّي فَاعِلٌ ذَلِكَ غَدَى Don't ever say anything about, I will do this tomorrow. But that also add to it, inshallah, إِلَّا إِيَّشَاءَ اللَّهِ This is not to express something in a way that it is suspended on anything. No, it is a manner of expressing our total humility, our inability, that we are nothing, we can do nothing. And we cannot accomplish anything without the help of Allah Ta'ala. If Allah Ta'ala's help is not with it, I can do absolutely nothing. So this is an expression of abdiyat, an expression of servitude, an expression of being the total slave of Allah Ta'ala. So in any case, they were so confident, they didn't even say, Inshallah. وَلَا يَسْتَسْنُونَ فَطَافَ عَلَيْهَا طَائِفٌ مِّن رَبِّكَ وَهُمْ نَائِمُونَ Now they yet did not go in physically withhold anything. They hadn't even gone to the farm yet. They hadn't even refused anybody who had asked. But already Allah Ta'ala turned the tables. And this is in the Qudrat of Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala can turn the tables positively in a moment, negatively in a moment. So Thanwi Rahmatullah has written an incident of one person who was sitting one day, one evening. Husband and wife were sitting down to their meal. And it was a day that he had come back tired and everything was now as he had liked it to be. Delicious meal. And he's sitting there with his wife now and about to start the meal. And at that time, there was a knock on the door. So this person got a bit irritated. And then when he went to the door, there was a beggar. The beggar said, I've come to ask for something in the name of Allah Ta'ala. So in that irritation and that anger, he very harshly rebuked that beggar. And in very strong words and in a harsh manner, chased him away from there. That person, broken hearted, went away. Any case, this person came, continued with his meal. Then, life carried on, but very soon thereafter, things started turning negatively. Things started becoming difficult. And as time went on, poverty became the order of the day, to the point where this person one day told his wife, that look, this is our condition. Life has become extremely difficult and I'm not even in a position to take care of you anymore. I'm therefore now releasing you. He gave a talaq. You now go and 
you do what, what you wish to do. And he gave a talaq. So she went on. Time passed. One day, she, after finally she eventually remarried. And one day, she is sitting now with her second husband, about to have a meal. And there is a knock on the door. So the husband said, that it seems like somebody has come to beg. Just take this few things and give it to him. So she took that, whatever food was there, and she went to pass it on to the beggar at the door. And when she opened the door, she suddenly let out a shriek. That person, she had handed him whatever it was, she let out a shriek and came way back inside. The husband got very concerned, worried, what happened? So she said there was a long story behind this, and this is what gave me this fright. What happened? She says, there was a time years ago, I was one day sitting with my previous husband at a, to a meal. And while we were seated and about to partake of that meal, suddenly there was a knock on the door. And my husband went, there was some beggar, and he became very angry about this, that now you're coming to disturb us while we're about to take our meal. And in a very harsh manner, he chased him away. And then things suddenly turned for the worse, until finally that husband of mine divorced me, and then I finally got married to you. Now when I went to the door to give food to that beggar, the beggar at the door was my previous husband. So when she gave this whole story and narrated this, this person said, he gave, let out a shriek. And he said, what story you have just said? Do you realize that the person who knocked on the door that time was me? The person who knocked on the door the first time who was chased away was me. Allah Ta'ala turned the tables to such an extent that he came in the place of the person who was sitting previously at the scene, the Starkhan. So this is in the control of Allah wa Ta'ala. And a person should never ever just dismiss something as trivial. I did something, I acted in a certain way and all this is just fizzled out in the air. Allah Ta'ala knows best how sometimes and when this thing can rebound. How and when it can rebound, only Allah Ta'ala knows. We should not sit in judgment about anybody's difficulty that this is something rebounding on someone. We should worry about ourselves. Because difficulty sometimes comes as a test to a person. Sometimes it comes to elevate a person's position. Al Tanwir Rahmatullah has mentioned an incident in this regard as well, which is in the time of the Bani Israel, one narration that two people were on the deathbed at approximately the same time. Two different people. One was a Muslim, one was a Yehudi. And in these last moments of life, this Muslim, he's had a sudden urge to have some olive oil. To eat. Arabs, it's quite a standard thing. They eat olive oil. So he had this desire that I want to eat some olive oil. Now a person is in his deathbed, you try to do whatever you can for him. On the other side, this Yahudi, he suddenly had a desire for fish. He wants to eat fish. So he told somebody, I want to eat fish. So that person now went out to catch one fish somewhere. What can you do now? So Allah Taala commanded one angel that look, this Yahudi, he wants fish. But that lake or that pond or wherever this somebody has gone to catch a fish for him, there is no fish there. You go and put one fish in that pond. Another angel Allah Ta'ala commanded, you go to this Muslim. There is some olive oil in his cupboard. You go and drop it. Let that olive oil get spilt. Any case, both these angels left on the order that they were given. On the way they met. So, where are you going to? Whatever Nizam Allah Ta'ala has. So he said, I'm off to this Yahudi wanted fish. Allah Ta'ala told me to go and put fish in that lake. He's in his last days, last moments. Says, Allah Ta'ala told me to go and drop that olive oil of this Muslim who's about to pass away. He's also desiring to have that olive oil of his. Nevertheless, Allah Ta'ala's hukam, Allah Ta'ala's command, both went and fulfilled the command. This person had his fish and left the world. This person left the world without his olive oil. Now the angels came back and presented this to Allah Ta'ala. Ya Allah, your command, whatever your command is, we are totally 
subservient to it, but we didn't understand what is the wisdom behind this. So Allah Ta'ala then said, where will you understand my wisdoms? But nevertheless, this Yahudi, he also did some good things in his life, but he had no iman, so there's not going to benefit him in the year after. So whatever little good he did in the world, he helped somebody, he did some charitable things, whatever. So we gave him the benefit of it in the world. He had his fish. And this Muslim, there were some accounts to settle, some sins. We had that forgiven by this, that we deprived him of this, his sin got forgiven. He had to make some sabr on this, his stages got elevated. On that mujahada, he got greater rewards. So we want to bless him even more in the hereafter. We want to give him even greater things in the hereafter. So we kept this little bit away from him, but in lieu of that, we blessed him with tremendous more in the hereafter. So we are not to sit in judgment about anybody, but we should be worried about ourselves and make sure that nothing rebounds on us. So in any case, these people now, they had only still made this intention that we will make sure that none of the poor get anything. Allah Ta'ala says, فَطَافَ عَلَيْهَا طَائِفٌ مِّن رَبِّكَ وَهُمْ نَائِمُونَ That at night, this calamity came. And it totally destroyed, kind of fire just came upon that whole field and everything was totally destroyed overnight, in moments. Became totally just blackened and darkened, burnt out completely. They don't know anything what happened. They still haven't even gone. They only made this intention. The Quran Sharif is speaking about this. This is Nasi Qat'i. And this is the effect of that intention. In the morning they woke up early, calling on to one another, come now, you need to move. Quickly now, you must go early to the farm now today. You want to cut everything and harvest it and bring it quickly, you can't waste time. Like we try to do sometimes things that you go to just cut corners and do anything anyhow. But you go to get it, make it happen. However it comes. Whether you go to cut somebody else's stomach to fill your coffers, it's fine. Let it happen. But in all that processes, we end up damaging ourselves. But it's not as clear cut as pressing that switch and seeing the light come on. Or striking the match and the flame came on in that moment. Here the person strikes the match. Sometimes the flame ignites months later. The flame ignites sometimes years later. Allah Ta'ala save us. So in any case, they called upon one another, come let's go quickly. Then they went and are very silently whispering to each other also. Nobody must hear us going. Person silently gets a lot of things done. Pull strings in the back and some deception and whatever else and covers everything up all silent, all quiet. But it cannot be hidden from Allah wa ta'ala. Allah ta'ala is all-knowing, all-seeing. Don't ever allow any poor person to enter this garden today. You must be gone before they come. They came with all their power and might and ability that we will just take everything and go away. Now they come past. They say, no, it seems we lost our way. Allah Ta'ala had made it such that it became so totally destroyed, they didn't even recognize the place. They said, it seemed like we lost our way. Then they looked carefully. They said, no, no, no. Oh, everything is now lost. We have lost out. We have lost out dunya. We have lost out akhirat. Now the one brother, the middle brother says, did I not tell you when you are sitting and making this, having this meeting and saying do it like this and do it like that. At that time I even mentioned this, that look, don't do this. Fear Allah tabarak wa ta'ala. Remember Allah ta'ala. But you all didn't want to listen. See what is the end result now. Lawla tusabbihun refers to all this. Fearing Allah tabarak wa ta'ala. Now when the reality opened out. Now they turned, they realized their folly and error and now they turned back to Allah Tabarak wa Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala then mentions that in the following ayat, in the tafsir 
Ibn Abbas explains, Abdullah ibn Mas'ud explains, that after some time, because of their sincere tawbah, and their sincere repentance, and their resolve never to do something of this nature again, after some time, Allah Ta'ala blessed them with a replacement also. And that replacement was such, that one bunch of grapes had to be loaded, one bunch alone had to be loaded on a, on a donkey. One donkey will carry one bunch of grapes. This is the extent of barakat Allah Ta'ala gave them when they came back onto the correct intention. When they rectified their intention. Intention outwardly is something just in passing. person made an intention, didn't make an intention. But it is something to train ourselves to make the right intentions. I'm going to work. What are my intentions? That I want to do what is 100% halal. I'm not going to cut any corners. Now that intention, and to repeatedly make that intention, I'm not going to allow one command of Allah Ta'ala to break in this process. I will not allow my salah to get affected by business, or by my occupation, or by my job. Because all these are necessities of life. My object is Allah Ta'ala. So these things cannot become an obstacle in fulfilling the command of Allah Ta'ala. So the intention for it, the intention that I need to fulfill all the rights of people, the intention, I will not shirk in fulfilling the rights of anybody, the rights of my parents, the rights of my wife, the rights of my children, the rights of my neighbors, the rights of people in general. Do we consciously, repeatedly make that intention? That there are rights of people upon me. Am I trampling their rights? Am I hurting them? So it's now for me to make the intention that I will not hurt anybody. This is a very fundamental requirement of a mu'min. The intention that I will improve my akhlaq. I will try to bring the akhlaq of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi That akhlaq of Nabi sallallahu when he entered the home smilingly with salam. I'm making that intention. This is how I would enter the home. How many a times... The correspondence comes and person, whatever, some complain, this, that and the other. And this is like almost every other day. And one of the day, things is, my husband enters the home, he doesn't even make salam. Forget the smile. And as I normally say on this, that unfortunately what happens is, that the poor fellow the whole day, he was smiling so much. Yes ma'am, how are you ma'am? What do you want ma'am? And with all the ma'ams, he was smiling so much that his jaws are now so tired that when he comes home where he's supposed to be smiling, there's only a frown left. Whereas all the other places that was haram for him to be smiling. Out of necessity, he will talk what is necessary, but that enticing smile to try and make somebody buy more, is that smile halal or haram? Is that going to bring barakat or is it going to bring Allah Ta'ala's punishment? So, the intention that I want to improve my akhlaq, I want to bring the sunnah of Nabi Islam alive, I want to fulfill all the commands of Allah wa ta'ala. The genuine and deep intention that all these things that are in my life which are sinful, I want to totally remove these things from my life. I want to protect my eyes from every haram glance. The conscious intention of that. And then together with that intention, dua. When a person has a genuine and sincere intention and he couples that with dua, Allah Taala will bring the effects of it. So this is something that we have to train ourselves to repeatedly bring this consciously into our hearts and minds as we explain the aspect of coming to the masjid, all the intentions in that. person is going home after work, intentions to make in that. I'm going home, I will spend time with my family, make them happy in some way. Because this too is a great ibadat bringing happiness to the heart of a mu'min. So to make that niyat, I will go home and make my family happy. Brother Mufti Taqi Sahib, he says one person who was a friend of his, after very long they met, and now as people get together and they talk to one another, and ask about house things, and well, long time now, you married how many children, whatever else. So this person got talking, he was some person living in some rural area, so after very long he met him, he says, as he got talking, he says, well, I got so many children, this, that. Now he's showing what a mashable person he is. He says, when I come home, my wife and children are all terrified. They just go out of sight. So when he said that, he said that as a kind of self-praise. He said that as a kind of self-praise. I am somebody. 
So Mufti Taqi Sahib Dan Barakatuhum, in a manner of, like as if he didn't understand what he's saying, but obviously this was a way of making his Islam. Asked him, why are you some kind of wild animal? Why do they just run out of sight? Do they think that you're going to bite them or you're going to uh, devour them or something? So he said, no, but just that for me to put my awe over them. So he says, but Allah's Nabi Islam didn't come like this. Nabi Islam, when he came, basaman, completely smiling. The little children, Hazrat Hassan and Hussein, out of that love that Nabi Islam would show to them, they would come running to him. And he would grab them and pick them up. This was the way Nabi Islam came. Is it my intention also to bring this in my life? So to make that intention, if that intention hasn't come, where are we going to see that reality? To make that intention that I want to stay away from every guna, from every sin, I want to become the true servant of Allah wa ta'ala. I want to become the true ashik of Allah ta'ala. I want to become a true follower of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa And to the extent of this intention, coupled with dua, Allah wa ta'ala will put the barakat in it. Allah ta'ala grant us the tawfiq. Wa akhiru da'wana alhamdulillahi Sayyidi <laughs> يا ربي صل وسلم دائما أبدا على حبيبك خير الخلق كلهم جزا الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله لا إله إلا الله 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 محمد رسول الله صلى الله تبارك وتعالى عليه وسلم ہو جائے میرا دل ایک میدان ہوں تو ہی تو ہو تو ہی تو ہو تو ہی تو غیر سے بالکل ہی اٹھ جائے نظر تو ہی تو آئے نظر دیکھو جدر اور میرے تن میں بجائے آب و گل درد دل ہو درد دل ہو درد دل 
नफ्सों शेता दोनों ने मिलकर हाई किया है मुझको तबाह ए मेरे मौला मेरी मदद कर चाहता हूँ मैं तेरी पनाह मुझसा खल्क में कोई नहीं गो बद किरदार नामासिया तू भी मगर गफ्फार है यारब बख्श दे मेरे सारे गुनाह अब तो रहे बस्तादम आखिर विरदे जबाए मेरे مٹا دے اپنی ہستی کو چھوڑ دے ساری بستی کو بستی بستی کہتا جا اللہ 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 اللہ
ربنا إنك أنت الوهاب ربنا إنك جامع الناس اليوم لا ريب فيه إن الله لا يخلف الميعاد اللهم إنا نسألك العفو والعافية والمعافاة الدائمة في الدين والدنيا والآخرة والفوز بالجنة والنجاة من النار اللهم ثبتنا على الإيمان وأمتنا على الإيمان وحشرنا يوم القيامة مع الإيمان ربنا هب لنا من أزواجنا وذرياتنا قرة أعين وجعلنا للمتقين إماما ربنا فاغفر لنا ذنوبنا وكفر عنا سيئاتنا وتوفنا مع الأبرار ربنا وآتنا ما وعدتنا على رسلك ولا تخزنا يوم القيامة إنك لا تخلف الميعاد إله العالمين يا الله ومسبوسفل الله ومسكين وغريشس الله إله العالمين يا الله فقف أول وميجا إنمائنا سنزي الله يا الله completely make us purified of every sin يا الله يا الله فقف the entire أمت of رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم إله العالمين يا الله you save us from every type of sin and haram يا الله إله العالمين you make us your true and pious servants يا الله إله العالمين يا الله remove the difficulties from the أمت يا الله يا الله remove the hardships and suffering يا الله إله العالمين throughout the world wherever the Muslims are suffering oppression يا الله remove the oppression from them يا الله إله العالمين those who are in poverty give them food to eat يا الله إله العالمين those who are in any other kind of hardship and difficulty يا الله remove their difficulties يا الله grant afiyat to one and all يا الله يا الله protect the iman the amal the lives the wealth the honor of every Muslim يا الله إله العالمين يا الله grant بركات in the life of every person يا الله grant بركات in each one's رزق يا الله إله العالمين يا الله unite the hearts of the أمم يا الله إله العالمين يا الله make us those kind of servants of yours that obey you every moment of our life يا الله يا الله make us the true followers of Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم يا الله give us the love of the Sunnah of Rasulullah صلى الله عليه وسلم إله العالمين يا الله يا الله give us the يا الله the rectification of intention يا الله إله العالمين at all times enable us to make true and correct intentions يا الله يا الله grant us true إخلاص يا الله grant us the reality of إخلاص يا الله يا الله save us from doing anything with the wrong motive يا الله يا الله save us from even thinking anything wrong يا الله إله العالمين يا الله you guide us and protect us يا الله إله العالمين all those who have passed away fill their قبرس بنور يا الله إله العالمين at the time of our death take us with the kalima la ilaha illallah muhammadur rasulullah ya Allah take us on tawbat al-nasuh ya Allah take us with the iman kamil ya Allah make our qabr's gardens of jannah for us ya Allah ya Allah grant us the shafaat of rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam ya Allah give us jannatul firdaus without any reckoning ya Allah ilahu al-alamin all those who are sick give them shifaya kamila ajila mustamira daima ya Allah remove every trace of the illness ya Allah ilahu al-alamin ya Allah all those who are in debts remove their debts with afiyat ya Allah ya Allah whatever difficulties and hardships anybody is in ya Allah remove it ya Allah ya Allah whatever pious aspirations each one has in their hearts, Ya Allah, you fulfill it, Ya Allah. Ilahu al-alamin, Ya Allah, you grant us the best of dunya and the best of akhirat, Ya Allah. Allahum inna nas'aluka min khayri ma sa'alaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka Sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa na'udhu bika min sharri masta'adaka minhu nabiyuka wa habibuka Sayyiduna Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam anta al-musta'an wa alayka al-balaag wa la hawla wa la quwata illa billahi al-ali al-azim wa sallallahu ta'ala ala khayri khalqihi Sayyiduna Muhammad wa alihi wa sahabi jma'in والحمد لله رب العالمين